This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we are back with another week of Midweek Mentions. I'm Ant at Stiana one Twitter. With us tonight, we have the mayor of Cartersville, Matt Santini. Good evening. And we have Schweitz up in Canada. Howdy. All right, fellas. An interesting week of shows. Um, you know, lots of content. Lots of stuff going on with Jessica sort of fitting in in some places and maybe fitting out. And some of that controversy, I think that's always sort of interesting. But uh, let's throw it out to Mayor Matt for his first topic. What do you got for us, Mayor? Thanks a whole lot, Ann. I think you hit the nail on the head. First two days uh, of shows this week, a lot of fantastic content. Um, I'll start out with this. As again, I've, I've got an awful lot to talk about, but the weekend observations—it's it's one of the you know—it's one of the hallmarks of the show. But this week in particular, it, it was among the finest, and what made it among the finest in my book was obviously the the swipes and the references to old USA network shows. And as somebody who watched a lot of USA network and a lot of the shows that they referenced, it had me going back and thinking about shows I hadn't thought of in a real long time. And I know that, uh, Aunt, you, you're a big USA network watcher. How far back do you go with that? And how many of those shows, what shows kind of stick out in your mind from USA network that were referenced in weekend observations or maybe some that weren't mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I can think back, you know, for me and my wife, USA was one of the channels that we really, really watched a lot of shows. Suits, Burn Notice, which was mentioned, Royal Pains, Covert Affairs, White Collar, even going back all the way when, when Psych was on, we've come back and sort of rewatched a lot of the Psychs or my kids watched Psych and just absolutely loved it. My actually youngest is obsessed with Dulé Hill. Like she is obsessed with him. Um, but even going forward more recently, Mr. Robot is another show, like so many USA sh network shows that just seemed for myself and my wife, especially, we like the sort of mystery sort of intrigue, not just a basic sort of comedy show. So for us, USA was one of the channels that really always had a bunch of shows that were really just quality stuff. And, you know, you would want to watch every week and, and I don't know, sort of, I always felt there was good acting. There was good dialogue. They weren't, you know, it wasn't Shakespeare, but it was enjoyable and it was quality content. So that was for me. What about you, Mayor? It, it was kind of like CW before that. Schweitz, I know that you've been kind of locked out in USA Network for a while, but back in the day, did you have any of those kind of shows that kind of stick out in your mind? Yeah, since moving to Canada, I don't have access to USA Network anymore. So it's been quite a few years, but I have watched uh, Burn Notice and uh, whatever, Pacific Blue, I think. 
there were, there were all those shows that came on, they would always put on right after uh, Monday Night Raw. So they would use Monday Night Raw as the lead-in. So I think way back in the day, there was Silk Stocking. So I just remember the intro to that. Um, yes, that's another one. That's another one. That was, the one, that was, I was the one I was hoping to drop on you. I was probably not old enough to appreciate uh, what they were going for there at the time, but uh, that was definitely on. Um, but, you know, some of the stuff that's been on Netflix, Suits, things like that, I've caught a couple seasons of. But I, well, did, like, I did like Burn Notice a lot. Yes, Burn Notice was fantastic. Uh, Psych was great. Monk was another one. But Silk Stockings was the original for me. Anthony and I, my wife and I, um, it was it was a definitely a guilty pleasure. Rob Estes and Mitzi Capture. And there was oh, it just was it was kind of titillating television. And uh it was that was good. We just really liked that uh show a lot. And my my wife I peel back the curtain a little bit. My wife is a redhead, so is Mitzi Capture. And so you can maybe just do a Google search on who she was and um yeah, rather fond of that one. Here's the other one. Very underrated. Duckman. Did you ever see that? Yes. Animated animated series with Jason Alexander, uh, Monk, and of course some of the, the other syndicated, not original program, but Wings and Airwolf, which by the way, Santini Air was in that. Uh, the Hitchhiker, which was also originally on HBO. That You talk about shows. HBO, it was one of those Saturday night shows that would have you know, the gratuit the one gratuitous uh scene in there so yeah. you know being a, a young male that was always kind of uh, the thing that you'd watch the show for they dubbed all that out in usa network version but there was enough of that but yeah just that little deep dive to shows again you mentioned all the other ones that uh, i was thinking about but uh royal pains and psych and um, monk they were all, all just really good programming and you know, you can still probably catch all every one of those on any of the streaming platforms. So yeah, silk stocking that's a great pull by you guys because I had totally forgot about it until you mentioned it. Because it also harpens back for me being older, even Moonlighting, which was not a USA show, yep. but had a similar sort of the sexual tension or whatever. I mean, however you want to say it between the lead male and female, and you know, yeah. So, so that, that was definitely inspired by Moonlighting. Absolutely. No doubt. hundred percent. So what else from this week, Schweitz, what do you got topic wise? What, what intrigued you or what pissed you off? Cause you know, not everything is going to be a, is going to be a love. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite topics this week was lies you tell your kids or lies that your parents told you to uh, get you to act a certain way or, you know, the ice cream machine's broken at McDonald's. One of, one of those type of things. So neither of you have anything? Well, beyond the obvious of things like Mr. C or, you know, the letter that Jessica wrote about the tooth fairy or those kind of things. Um, yeah, there's, I always feel like it's hard because for me, truthfulness is sort of one of my important things. I mean, I, I'm all in for the jokes, I'm all in for the fun, but I prefer honest and truth from the people that, that I'm around. So I sometimes, and I mean, some of that is Catholic, some of that is just sort of how I was brought up, just by my parents and, you know, things like saying please and thank you and I'm sorry and all that sort of manner stuff that Matt is nodding his head to. <laughs> but you have um, me in Catholic, so yeah, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. We got we, we got a couple on this one tonight. Um, you know, 
at the same time, as an aside, I'm not really in for the Catholic guilt. I sort of, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I certainly do struggle sometimes with the ability to say something that I know is factually inaccurate, <laughs> but I also know there's a purpose behind it. Um, so I don't think I've ever done the, I've never done the ice cream machine is broken at McDonald's, but certainly I've done, oh no, that store is closed. We can't go there. Or, oh no, it's, it's, it, that, that, no, on, on a Saturday, that store is closed at five o'clock or, or we can't go to that restaurant or whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, someone more generic, I can't think of, you know, anything big beyond the other stuff I had mentioned necessarily. What about you, Mayor? Yeah. I, creative parenting certainly is something you have to do. And, uh, wait till y'all get to the teenage years and the driving years and all that. It, it's, it, it evolves and changes. Hey, enjoy every stage, <laughs> enjoy every single stage. Uh, I wasn't really big on that. I was big on creative punishment. Uh, for instance, if something had been done that shouldn't have been done. And of course, the other challenge, uh, you know, we, we had a, we had an only child. We only have one daughter, Madeline. And so if something went wrong in the house, it wasn't like when I was growing up with two siblings, you know, who did it? Well, you know, you got some kind of deniability. You can try and kind of deflect. I mean, we knew who did whatever it was Madeline. So, uh, I would usually, a uh, couple of the things I would do, I'd make her get in push-up position. I'd go, oh, you got 30 seconds push-up position. What? What's that? And, you know, had to teach her that and, you know, just, just wear her out, just wear her down from there. Um, I love it. That's a great. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. She's, uh, she didn't enjoy that very much. The other thing she did not enjoy would be to go out in the backyard and pick up pine cones. Cause when I'd cut the backyard, I needed, you know, limbs and pine cones out of the way, but I'm like, you know what? You need to calm down. I want you to go outside and start picking up pine cones. Yeah. You know, I need, I need you to pick up 50 pine cones. I like and it. Of course, yeah. It's so that was, it was kind of creative and, but the, as far as doing something deviant to say like, Hey, we're going to do that. I, I kind of fall in, in your boat. Aunt. we just always kind of were straightforward. And even when it came time for those discussions that you so gently alluded to earlier, um, when the question was brought up, it was, let's have, let's have a conversation. Well, part of it also is my kids are not in an earshot, but they're close enough that they could hear. Absolutely. So, um, the other thing is, I mean, in some ways, and maybe this is bad. And I have a wife who's an early childhood professor, teaches other teachers to teach children and runs a preschool for young children. So she will very much be like, no, but this is the way you're supposed to do it. So I'm much more, I feel very confident saying to my kid, the answer is no. Why? Because I said so. Like, I don't need necessarily feel a need to be devious about why the answer is, why can't I have ice cream? I don't know. Cause you had it last night and you just hit your brother. I'm sorry. There's no ice cream. Go away. Like, you know, like I, I feel very comfortable just being, I don't know. Matter of fact is the right way to say it, but being, <laughs> A pain in the ass. As a in New York Catholic. I got gotcha. you. I'm, <laughs> you know? I'm living there with you. Hey, but the, I, let me do this, though, uh, Schweitz. I do have something that uh, I will admit, and, you know, I'm running for re-election this fall. That's not what I'm breaking news on, but this may be something that gets me maybe unelected. But, you know, there were times uh, when, when Madeline, my daughter, was a lot more useful to me from the standpoint when she was a younger child. Uh, I would involve her with perhaps stories that if I had to be some, somebody wanted me to go to their event or to go to something that maybe it was on a weekend or we had family plans out that the easiest out was, Oh, I'd love to be there, but I've, I've got, 
I've got an event with my daughter or I've gotcha. got a And so I would use that. So I would, in that way, I would be kind of involving my daughter in a lie, very similar to what I believe is a lie being told by Stu Gotts in a commercial, which is promoting learning a foreign language where he claims that he is learning a foreign language with his daughter. I'm calling BS on it. I want to know what language it is and how many words he has, he has learned in that language, because I think he's using that entire setup to sell an ad. I think he's using it to learn English because that's the easiest for him. If he is uh, being monitored in any way, uh, that's what I'm going with here. So as far as uh, me lying to my children and uh, being lied to myself, I have a few things. So my son is two and a half. He does not understand consequences yet, or he's just starting to. The, the closest thing I get to right now with him is just telling him something's closed or something's broken because he doesn't understand that the batteries are running down or... You know, something along those lines, nothing, nothing too creative. I do hope to one day try to teach him that his ears will turn red when he lies. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that. If you tell your kids that their ears turn red when they lie, when they're little, they will cover it. their ears with their hands when they're telling you a lie because they don't understand that you're giving it away by doing that. Um, so I'll, I'll do that more as a prank maybe. Uh, but speaking of pranks that uh, your parents may have done to you. So when I was little, I was three. I was in a fashion show at a local country club uh, for charity. Um, I had a balloon in my hand. I tripped. Balloon went up to the ceiling, popped. Um, I cried. Everyone laughed at me, went home. A month later, the country club uh, burned down. It caught on fire. Um, there was a, a, a kitchen fire, grease fire, got the whole building. Uh, I was obsessed with firemen at the time. So my dad drove me by watching all the fire trucks, you know, watching them all work. You know, they had put it out mostly by that point. And I go, dad, what happened? And he goes, you remember your balloon? And he said it completely stone face. And I was just like, oh my. And I didn't feel guilty came home and I'm like, Hey mom, my balloon burned down the country club. And my mom's like, no, it didn't blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to I'm 18 and uh, I'm getting ready to graduate high school. And I just sort of jokingly say to my mom, Hey mom, remember how balloons start fires? And she's like, yeah, I don't know where you got that from. You always said your dad told you, but your dad would never tell you anything like that. And she just turns and looks at him and he's laughing hysterically. And she's like, I didn't understand why you didn't want balloons at any of your birthday parties for years. Just couldn't understand it. And uh, your dad so is it, a killer. Oh my, my dad, goodness. my dad just, my dad just thinks that's the funniest thing. And he leaned into it for 15 years. That's no, my mother never asked him. She's like, if you asked me once, and, and his response was just, I didn't think he'd be stupid enough to believe me as he's cackling <laughs> away. He just thought it was the funniest thing. So I'd like to go back and actually change my parenting answer. I have definitely said, after I've heard the electronic whatever or the thing go off, say, no, we don't have any more batteries in the house. Knowing full well we have batteries in the house because I just don't want to hear whatever the electronic thing is going off at a 5,000 time. Now, some of that has changed. That's more sort of younger kid toys that are more annoying. But I have told that lie that we don't have batteries knowing full well. 
we have the right batteries in the fridge. I just really don't want to hear that. And I'll put them in the next day or the day after and let them go back to whatever it is they're doing. But I have told that lie. Do what you got to do. Well, you know, also in the lie family is, I believe, uh, not also in the Stugatz family as well, was the story he told about playing on that high-end golf club uh, and having drinks delivered by drone and then attempting to tip the drone and could not do so. And again, apologies, or maybe, no, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm calling BS. Think about it this way. If there's a place that is so technologically advanced and so hoity-toity that it is going to have drinks delivered to you by a drone, there is no way in hell that they're accepting cash. It's all got it. All the payment has to be done electronically. So the fact that he's like claiming he's pulling out a five or a 10 or a a stack of 20s to try to tip a drone as it flies back to wherever it came from, as opposed, it's just simply wasn't an option. I thought that was, I thought that was rather comical as well. Although I'm jealous for the people he was with and the golf course he was on. I would definitely say, Matt, I agree with you that there's no way they're taking cash on a drone. It's just not happening. I would, however, say, I guarantee you they would let you tip and totally take your tip money for whatever drinks they're bringing you. But yes, it's absolutely was done on credit. There's no way, there's no way someone's like, can you make change of a 50? It's not happening. Like you're swiping a card or you're giving them a card when you walk in, like you do for a hotel for incidentals and you're just buying whatever you get. And at the end, it just, you know, it's done. Better yet, you know, ahead of time that they, that there's no way to give cash to that drone. So you pull out like a hundred and you go like, oh, you can't take this. All right. Well, my bad. I'll, I'll try to get you later. <laughs> I don't think Stu is even pulling out the hundred and faking it. I think he's just looking the other way and, you know, trying to say, Hey, so we get, let's go. Let's get on the course. Come on, let's start. And just Stu, not even trying Stu, to is, Stu is not buying any round on that course. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So what else this week? I feel like I feel like there was just so much. What do you think of Cortez and how he does with his over-the-top heat culture stuff? I personally love it. I think it's hilarious. I'm a Nick fan. I hate the heat. But it makes me chuckle every time he goes down the rabbit hole of just beating the drum. I, I don't know. It's enjoyable for me. What do you guys think? Schweitz? To me, it's 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 similar to, to Peepo in the sense of you just have like a parody of a parody being a Homer fan. And that is, yeah, I can, I can appreciate the humor even if I'm not particularly rooting for the team. In fact, you may want to root against the Heat because of him, but it's still just fun to see his uh, I love his culture videos they're great I think I think one thing 
with interacting with the community of Lauer After Hours, as well as just the general community of Dan Lambertar fans, it seems all of that stuff either makes people love the heat and want to be in or hate the heat and want to just see them die in flames. And I think it's interesting. I think it's a great content generator because it's one of those topics I don't think you can sit on the fence on. You're either in or you're out, but you're not like, well, I don't know. There's no I don't know when Mike gets home run on the U or Cortez gets home run the heat or any of that other stuff. But go ahead, I, man. What's your thought? I am I am not the biggest NBA fan in the world. I have not cared about an Atlanta Hawks game in about five years. I am living and dying with this series simply because the way that I guess like the way that Cortez is just like a New York fan. It's it is a false bravado or a belief in in being something that there is absolutely no reason to feel that you're that way. Knicks fans, and I'll exclude you from this, Ant. You can include me, just the absolute worst every year. It's we're going to be this, so we're going to be that. Guess what? You had the same. Congratulations for splitting the first two games of a first round series against the five seed. Way to go. Well, I don't know when the parade is going to be. Here's the other thing. Hey, guess what? Do the right thing. Poignant about perfect filmmaking. Spike Lee, I get it. I don't need to see you every 20 freaking seconds of the broadcast. I don't care. He has nothing to do with the basketball game. Quit jumping up and down. Actually, it's not even really his fault. He can jump up and down and make a fool of himself. Why the networks feel like they've got to show him as if he is some integral part of the game or that those players are drawing any kind of emotion or wanting to win it for Spike. It's well, ridiculous. I'll so tell I'm, you I'm why. Telling you, because be, of your exact reaction. They're doing because there's 25 reaction. years. I had to listen to Chris Russo today. I'm, I'm listening to him a little bit on my ride home, sitting there talking about how great the garden was, how the, how the fans did their part and how the Hawks fans, that, that's really going to be a big challenge. We'll see how they show up. They're going to, you know, do you want to know what the, what the talk down here was about the Atlanta Hawks today? It was, Oh, are they in the playoffs? Oh, okay. <laughs> the, again, so what the, the the fans we could feel as fans that we've got this big burning. We're gonna. Do you think the Hawks shot like shit the second half because of the way that the fans were? No, oh. it was because the Knicks played much better defense <laughs> and that the Hawks kind of just fell out of sync. I, I don't really like the rotation, the the firm rotation that Nate McMillan had. But at the same time, again, I I really not emotionally invested other than the fact that I'm, I'm making these little mental nuggets of all these brilliant and fantastic things that Nick fans are saying so that hopefully next week at this time, when they're eliminated and the Hawks are advancing, I can go ahead and play this stuff back. But, and parakeet does the same thing for the heat. I'm not rooting against the heat, but he does the same thing. And again, it's, it's people it is, is, is it, he is a real life people when it comes to the heat. Mayor, do you have a uh, Mad Dog impression you can you can do for us? There you go. Love it, Mayor. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, the thing that I also love about Cortez, compared to Pipo, I know theoretically the character of Pipo is a Miami guy. He's invested in that way. I almost feel like there's almost more heart from Cortez than there is from Pipo. Not that Pipo's not got the heart in it, but Cortez is like, no, really, dude, like, it's this important. Like, it's like, I, and I just, I don't know. Like, in many ways, 
the highs and lows that come from him, we all can see that in some sports team we root for. Pipo, the, it's, it's because Pipo is a character and Cortez is, is, is really, yes, it's authentic because that's what he is. And actually you can't have Pipo without the Cortezes of the world because it's a cartoon character of the, the passion and the just, it's the passion bordering on the idiocy of being that big of a fan of anything you can't control over as that, that Cortez brings to it. Very well said, man. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. The last topic I'd sort of like to cover is the, is Dan's sort of attack on the lack of journalism that FS1 showed um, with what they did to or use for Julio Jones with the call. I, I don't necessarily know that I care about the specific incident of what they did, although I do agree with Dan that it was kind of crappy, but... I I'd almost want to talk generally. What do you all think about the way journalism, especially I feel like in sports more than other topics, has just gone away? Like, you know, ESPN going only really caring about live sports, as we see with people like, you know, Dan getting let go or mutually agreeing to leave because, you know, thought provoking content just isn't that interesting anymore to them, even though it seems it's hella interesting to us. So what do you guys think about the way journalism has sort of gone away or the idea of, you know, everyone's got a hot take their way into, into whatever it is and not really want to report on what's going on behind the scenes? I was just going to say, for me, like, I realized that these networks are all looking at it from an entertainment perspective. Um, they aren't necessarily always looking at it from the journalistic perspective. They do things for their league partners in certain ways. They do stuff for the sponsors. And that's a bit different to an extent than, you know, print media, um, CNN, Fox News, who, who, you know, sort of how they operate and sort of the integrity that that's involved with that. That being said, I think calling someone, not telling them they're on live TV and potentially putting them in a terrible spot, uh, both as a network and as a, as a player, like both sides of that could have gone really badly, depending on how that, that, came about. So um, I do still think you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. So before you go, Mayor, what do you, Schweitz, what do you think of Stu's take that, which is, if Julio doesn't care, then I don't have to care. Like, you think that is the line there? Do you think it's, it's about what Julio thinks or worries about? Or is it a larger topic that, you know, they should do better or know better or, you know, not, 
not it's, start off on the front end saying, "Hey, by the way, you're being recorded, or you're you're on uh, you're on my you know live TV right now." The the fact that Julio doesn't care means that they won't make it into a bigger story because it's not going to blow up in a bigger way. But you still you don't want to keep doing that. You want to send a message to your people that hey, this is not a way to uh, trap people or trick people onto the air, and because you're you're you are bringing uh, legality into it at that point. Do you think he did it on purpose? Do you think Shannon Sharp said, let me call Julio. I know he'll tell me something spicy and I'll just play it okay. Or you think he was just like, he expected to be a nondescript conversation and then he got a hot nugget in his face out of Julio and it made the story much bigger than it was going to be. Well, I'm going to tell you from uh, this, this is going to hit me in a lot of different places. I'll answer your question first, Ant, because it, the history of Julio Jones in Atlanta uh, especially in dealing with the media, he's a very private guy. He's a quiet guy. He's not somebody that that says an awful lot. Uh, goes about his business, has done so professionally, has played through injury, um, and so my my answer to that is this isn't something that was planned. This was something that was going to be. Um, it was totally unscripted. It wasn't planned. And some people have said, well, Julio should have known when he calls him, you know, about that time of day, he knows he's got that show. It's like, again, topic for the night, BS. That's my theme. Nobody watches Undisputed. How, how would he know that that was it? I'm sure he doesn't watch that show. And so Shannon calls him up. What, what would have happened if he had used inappropriate language on that? Um, the people to be held responsible for that, number one, Shannon is not a journalist. But he is a broadcaster, and there are rules for broadcast. There are producers that should have never been allowed to happen, number one. The second that they did, there should have been somebody, and you heard the, the female that's on there screaming, you know, hey, you need to tell me he's on there. Hey, need to, there should have been all kinds of clearances. There, the producer should have been the one to make the call to go ahead and okay him being on there so when he got on, they could have gotten right to it. So there's, that, that's issue number one. It's, it's totally unacceptable. I'm, I am as angry, if not more angry, than Dan is about this because I do, you know, my real job, I, I, I'm, I manage a, a radio station that, that does news and takes it very seriously. We have journalistic standards. Uh, go ahead, Schweitz. I was just going to say, do you think if they would have bleeped it or dumped the segment or cut away from it, uh, it would have uh, created more of a buzz around it and they could have reported on it later with more proper technique? Well, and that's the thing. They're getting all the, the, the bump out of it that they want to because we're talking about it. We wouldn't be talking about Undisputed and the, the garbage television that it is. We wouldn't be talking about that had this not happened. So it was the fact that they actually went outside of the realm of what is professional and ethical that that we're talking about. So the again, the larger issue isn't what was found out or what was done. It's what do you think of this? And, and honestly, I, again, I think I find it despicable. There are standards that any organization, I don't care if it's a news organization uh, or, or let me split it this way. Again, take a look at Fox or any of the ways that people want to flavor their news these days. There's the news of Fox. And then you have the talk shows that are really just entertainment to try to keep you around or try to get you to think or believe a certain way. Those are report. They're they're not that's not really journalism. It's 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 entertainment. Um, so, but there are but there are standards before anything gets on the air, and it doesn't matter if it's a small radio station in Cartersville or a major broadcast company. 
things need to be vetted. There needs to be attribution to things. And if you're going to put it out there for public consumption, you should certainly not have anybody being recorded that doesn't know they're being recorded. The first thing we ask, we, we, anybody, that's the first rule that I got a new employee. The first thing she was taught the first day on the job was the first thing you do when you talk to somebody say, is it okay if I record it, if I, that I record your voice? It's as simple as that. I mean, and, and again, we're not breaking any new journalism strides here, but it, it is difficult or it's challenging or frustrating, I guess, when you do have old school journalistic standards of using attribution and making sure that you, everything is sourced for the content you're putting out, especially in a world of social media, where you got, again, I'll say locally, we've got Facebook sites that claim to be that they're media and they're just spewing, hey, we heard this about this. You know, it's not really sourced anything. It, it's opinion and rumor mongering. It's not journalism. So Dan's absolutely right. And we, and we should hold media to a standard. And that standard should be that you're not creating content. You're reporting on content that is attributed to people who are credible sources. I don't want to necessarily say, how can you unring that bell? But how do you think we can get back to that? I mean, what, what happened in this case is a very specific example of something that seems to be a larger overarching topic across sports and non-sports alike in many ways, where, you know, the entertainment factor is as much as important as the truth factor. Not exactly, but sort of in, as someone who works in media yourself, Mayor, what, I mean, how do you think we, you know, because I don't think FS1 is going to care. I don't think they, I mean, did they issue an apology? If they did, it was, you know, minuscule at best about what happened. It wasn't like they, you know, they didn't really uh, apologize about it. How do you, how do you make places care more? It's, it's chuggy to think it's ever going to go back to the way it was. And again, I sound like a old guy with dark socks and sandals telling kids to get off my lawn when I'm talking about journalistic standards, but I don't think you, I, I don't think you put the toothpaste entirely back in the tube, but I do think that as, as you're a consumer of something that you need to consider what it is that you're consuming and how it's sourced. Um, again, I'm somebody that gets my news from a multiple of different places and perspectives. I know that makes me a little bit weird, but you know, a lot of times people go, well, did you see this? And it's like, well, where did you hear that? Or I don't, you know, and I, I'm the kind of person that says, well, I don't believe I got to, I got to see where they, where they got that. Uh, I want to see the sourcing. I want to see what's behind it. So, but again, I think you just, it's up to you as a consumer to be responsible enough to say, I'm going to take this as a credible source, or I'm going to watch this and I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. And I'm going to go back and maybe do my own research on it and not just blindly accept it. But sure. again, you would expect that an organization, again, this is telling somebody that they're going to be recorded before you're going to put them on a broadcast medium of any sort. That's, I mean, that's, that's broadcasting. It's not even 101. It's 099. I mean, that's remedial. Yeah. And I sort of agreed back to you something when I asked you earlier, if you thought it was sort of a mistake or if it was planned, I, I agree because Shannon just sort of like, hold on, let me pull on my phone. Hold on. You know, like if they were trying to do a real interview, they would have sourced it via a landline. They would have pre-recorded, they would have pre-talked about setting it up with him. Like it sort of seemed to be happenstance. And I think one of the problems that social media has created is people like their six to 10 second clips or their 30 second clips, they don't want to watch a half hour show. They want to watch the four, you know, the four clips that sort of interest them or the two clips that interest them from this show and two from that show. 
a little bit of Jimmy Kimmel and a little bit of Jimmy Fallon and a little bit of, you know, and so I think that also makes the content producers, I wonder why I say creators, because they're not really, they shouldn't really be creating the content, they should be producing it, that they're going for the, the gotcha moments or the aha moments or whatever it is to sort of get the views, the downloads, et cetera. And instead of being chastised for the lack of professional ethics that they use, they're being praised for they're they're getting attention, they're getting clicks, they're getting they're getting all the all the benefits of doing things the wrong way and, and very little of the criticism. And again, as Dan has passionately stated today, it's it should concern everybody, but the Stugat side of it is most it's like, ah, I got to hear a guy talking totally natural, and if he's fine with it, why would I care? See both sides. So, but you know, that happens with a 24 hour news cycle and you've got content to fill. And speaking of 24 hours and content to fill, I was really thrilled to hear that the, the Levitard family is going to have a 24 hour broadcast uh, next week. So it got me to thinking, all right, they got to fill 24 hours. There was talk about Greg Cody having an hour at four o'clock. It got me to, to going, gosh, if I had to fill 24 hours of this, what would, what would I hope that the 24-hour broadcast would include? And so I'd like to ask you all that question. I've got, I've got four or five things, maybe something else that will pop into my brain as, as we talk about it. But, Ann, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what would you like – what are you hoping to see in this 24-hour broadcast? Yeah, I, I'm, I can say I'm definitely excited for it, not only because the 24 hours is going to be awesome, but because it's my birthday – and so I think it's just a great birthday present from, from Dan and Mike and Stu and the rest of the, the group there to, to, to do this for me on my birthday. Um, I'm trying to figure out how the heck I can stay up for 24 hours and watch all this stuff because I just think it's going to be amazing, in lack of a better way to say it. Um, as for specific points I'm hoping to hit, I think, you know, I think back to when Stu and even Golik Jr. did the uh, the, the 24-hour football thing and how so much of the best parts of when it went off the rails. I'm excited for Greg Cody at 4 a.m., although he's probably been up for an hour, and so he might actually be coherent at that time. But, like, to me, those are going to be the moments. It's when they go off the rails. It's when they say something wrong or stupid is probably the wrong way to say it. But, when, like, the way the stuff's going to come out. I don't, I'm not worried about what's going to happen between 12 and 3 or even the club from 7 or whatever. Like the overnight stuff to me is just going to be amazing because we're going to have tired people. We're going to have like, you know, people, there's going to be different groups of, you know, this person does this time, this person does this time. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm also interested to see, do they start at midnight to midnight or do they go 10 a.m. to 10 a.m.? What time frame are they going to use? And I think that's also going to play into what we see. Do they start out with like, you know, something crazy or do they start off with sort of a normal broadcast that then sort of goes off the rails? What about you, Schweitz? Well, my first thought when I heard it was uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to watch the majority of it because I just I have two kids. It's not happening. So my hope is that they release the audio from it uh, on the podcast feed they break it out a little bit so you just listen over time so that's that's my my first hope um but yeah like that was all you know my next thought was how are they going to fill all that time you know you got you got to do some crazy stuff they only have so many people 
so many connections? Is, is, are they going to do like a watch along for a sporting event? How are they going to do that? Um, you know, Billy's going to have a most likely have a very young child when this is happening as well. So they're, they're potentially down a person or uh, he's just going to be in a, you know, maybe he just talks for an hour straight about his daughter. Somebody asked him a, a question. Um, but things I'm, I'm also hoping for is I hope they incorporate some of those in the, uh, the fan community into the proceedings. So, you know, maybe that's uh, steak sauce drunkenly zooming with Greg at 4 a.m. Um, maybe that's they do something with Streeter, Yeti and Flem, do some musical stuff. Obviously, like the Ron McGill segment, they could do a lot with. Streeter and Yeti would be better, but go ahead. Well, you know, egos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, you know, there, there's a lot of ways they can go with it. And uh, I can, I, yeah, no, I'm, ex I'm excited to see how their creativity plays out because they don't ever have to do anything remotely like this. So just to jump back, Schweitz, for a second, I was very sad when I looked up that game six for Heat's Bucks is on the third and game seven is on the fifth. So I don't think we can actually get a live watch because I think a live watch of a Heat game would be hilarious and would be doesn't, just gold content. Doesn't have to be the Heat. It could be anybody. No, but I feel like I feel like having like Cortez in there would just make like that would be that that would be a couple hours of gold. But if it's the anyway. Knicks game. I Go got ahead, news man. for you, Ant. There's not gonna be a game or six or a game seven of the series. I'm, That's fine. But I'm sorry. When they first announced it and I looked at the schedule, I was really hoping one of the games would be on the fourth so that we could see some level of, yeah, of, of that happening. But. Well, let me tell you a few things that I thought about from a programming director. And if they want to use any of these, they're welcome to it. Of course, uh, uh, you guys, uh, I guess, Schweitz, you talked about it. Some type of involvement from the Lauer After Hours uh, family, which I think there will be something not officially from Lauer after hours, but uh, there may be some of our group involvement there, which I think will be great. I'd like to see, and again, cause it's all about filling time. 24 hours is a, is a, is a long time to fill one type of physical challenger Ocho style game per hour. It might be, it might be a cornhole one hour. It might be ping pong balls, you know, carrying a, a egg race, something that's kind of silly and off the wall that, members of the Levitard universe would be competing in almost like a mini Olympics and do it every hour. So there'll be 24 different types of events and you can kind of keep score and then you could have a winner of that. Uh, David Sampson, I hope is going to be involved somehow. I know it's a little bit tricky with uh, his affiliate with, with CBS uh, sports, but I, I don't understand people that don't get him or don't like them. I, again, I don't have a history with him in the, in Miami, but I, he's just among my favorites. I love listening to him. You mentioned it too, Schweitz. Maybe the debut of Mia Gill. Uh, maybe we'll get our first look at, at that little angel that will have some sort of tie to Cartersville, I'm sure. Uh, I want to hear, because again, it's about filling time, and they, they've alluded to this in the past. We have the long version of the stat of the day. We also know that that was edited down for broadcast and that somewhere there's an unedited, even extended version, even though it does include Flem. Uh, that they play at some point the extended version of the long version of the stat of the day. That will be great for broadcast only because they will 
it'll buy them so much more. It'll eat up a chunk of programming. They'll they'll use it the way that uh, Schweitzer had a comment radio, on that. Yeah, they'll use it the way that radio DJs used uh, Stairway and Freebird. So anytime you have to take a <laughs> pee break, that's why Stairway and Freebird get played yeah. so much. And American Pie as well. Uh, I'm hoping they'll do some reference to the Jerry Lewis telethon, the original 24 hour uh, telethon broadcast. I want to see a weekend observations reunion. Again, I don't think that's going to be physically possible or, or allowed for them to have that do that. And then uh, the last one that I've got is I want Stu Gotts and his daughter to do a segment in a foreign language. Because we, we already know that he's he and his daughter are learning a foreign language together. Just a segment doesn't need to be an hour, but maybe just a, a dramatic reading uh, of some sort. So yeah, I think uh, back to your Jerry Lewis Tarathon thing for a second. I, I two thoughts popped in my head. First, I want to see Poppy in a tuxedo. I know they did it for HQ a bunch with with the Poppy Awards. I think bringing back something like that could be very very interesting. Also, theoretically, this is all going to be live, and I think it's a great opportunity to do a wake and take, where not even necessary to start the first hour, but at some point they say, look, at X hour, we're going to do wake and take, because that's one thing that their transition to podcast, for me, has been really lost. I loved wake and take. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's Stu's bread and butter. I mean, weekend occupations is probably his number one bit but i would say for me 1a is wake and take and so i hope there can be some interaction with callers um shout out i hope we hear some rash from new york which we haven't heard from in a long time but there were a lot of great callers that always called in for wake and take and so that's another thing that i hope they can go back to and use because they have the live format because they have to fill content and because it's something that's definitely lacking so I guess if I had to say generally, I hope they can, the live aspect of it can give them some bits or some ability to do some things that they can't do when they're on podcast, it won't work. I hope they hard network out Greg 16 times. Like even if it's a fake network out, I hope they say, Greg, we've got two minutes and then they make them talk for four and they cut them off. Like I think there's just, there's a lot of great opportunities within a live context of a show, even if it wasn't going 24 hours that I think can be useful and hopefully you know, they'll take advantage of. This is uh, your midweek mentions for the week. I'd like to thank Schweitz. And where can we find you on all your social media accounts? At Schweitz. <laughs> and then we have the mayor, Matt. Well, you can find me at Santini Matt online. And remember to check out all the other podcasts we have here with Blue Wire. Uh, a whole lot of different options for you under the Lower After Hours universe. Thank and you very this much. Is Anthony, ask Diana. Thank you very much and enjoy your week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.